0: How are you doing, buddy?
1: Doing great, Leslie. How are you today?
0: Man, I am awesome. I am awesome. Glad to be here. Glad God has given me another day to try to get this thing right.
1: I'm glad you're here, too.
0: (laughs) Well, we're going to jump right into the show today. Uh, Today, uh, the, the topic of the podcast podcast today is, Should Blacks in America Receive Reparations? Um, and yes, it, it is It is a fully loaded, uh, for lack of a better term, it's a fully loaded weapon for a discussion, uh, but not really. Um, so I think as we look at it, we're going to take kind of a, a different approach uh, to it as we uh, take a look at this and look at the segments and the way we're going to break this down. So the first thing we're going to do is look at the historical context. Right. And what I mean by that is, you know, let me just kind of give a brief history and then I'm gonna turn it over to you, Dave, from what you know about reparations to to give your opening just from a historical context. It's not uncommon if we look at every other A lot of groups. Uh, This is not the first time in America somebody in America would have received reparations of some kind. So it's not like this is uncharted territory. It's not like this is something that has never happened before. Um, But I think when we look at the historical context of what happened uh, to Blacks in America uh, from a historical perspective, the only race, um, first of all, that had 400 years of oppression, and this thing called slavery that that now um, some people, uh, the ten percenters, want to act like it never it happened, <laughs> and like it, uh, you know, like it 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 never it never was a part of our history. And then on top of that, when you even beyond slavery, after slavery ended, and we look at post Reconstruction era, we still we're still not a person. We were free, but we were not free. Uh, And when we look at, particularly in the South, right in the Jim Crow era, uh, you still were three-fifths of a person. You still didn't have a right to vote. Um, And then the statutes in which you were free in a lot of the Southern states said you were free (laughs) as long as you were employed. Well, (laughs) it's kind of oxymoron, right? Our employment has been slavery. You set us free, but you say we can only be free if we uh, maintain employment. So how do you do that, right? So I think when we look at what that has done, uh, particularly in the race, when you look at the division, how it created three distinct divisions of individuality within a race by separating them by color, and we still struggle with that today in African-American race, the color vortex. Uh, light skin versus dark-skinned, skin—that is really a thing uh, in the African-American culture, Uh, but it goes all the way back to the house slave versus the field slave, and then the child of the house slave that was a lighter shade even than the house slave uh, that could sometimes and often could pass for white that actually had the blood of the white master in them. So they were technically part slave and part child of the master but they were never given the full rights of the master child but they were given more rights than the house slave and more rights than the field slave so when you look at the context of the the separation in the black race by color uh that's where it comes from you know and uh it is still in existence today uh believe it or not it is still a a fight in the race uh among color uh and there there are some people i can remember going to school with some people and I remember I spent a good period of my life in, in New Orleans area. And I remember dating a young lady and she said, hey, I like you, but I don't I don't want to spend too much time with you. I don't want to develop any strong feelings for you because I could never marry. you." And I said, well, why not? She said she she put a brown paper bag next to my skin and she said, this is why. She said, you, you know, in my family, I, I can't marry anybody that's darker than this paper bag. Or I'll get cut off, yeah. Yeah. and she was that serious. Uh, she was from a fluent family, and and that was the rule. And that was they were they were really serious about that, and they didn't play about that. They would cut you off. They disown you. Um, and so that was my first time really seeing it up and close um, in that way. And I was like, wow, <laughs> we we got some issues within the issues. So. But then when you even fast forward and you look at what Blacks contributed in this society to build America, right? The backbone of the work of the slave, we built the White House, not the one, not just the one that's on Pennsylvania right now. We built the original White House that was in Pennsylvania. <laughs> slave labor. So when you look at we fought in wars, we were often on the front lines, but yet we still couldn't go back to our, our home country and vote but we could go to war. So when you look at the history of it, I think certainly reparations is something that should be discussed. Uh, other other um, races have been able to receive reparations of some type, and I think it's something that we've had a lot of opposition, particularly with the Black race, about. And I'm just curious to have a dialogue about, why is the opposition so strong when it comes to blacks receiving reparations versus other racial groups receiving reparations. Why is the opposition so strong? So I want to dive in that today. And obviously, like we always do, take it from a black man's perspective, a white man's perspective. And then what we've heard is we talked to others just to kind of get some context around us and see what, what America's feelings really are and why. Um, so for me, it's just a journey to find out interesting facts about why this topic is such a hot topic and not just a topic.
1: Well, that's a lot. (laughs) I know, I know, right? (laughs) Just drop it in my lap. I, um, you know, Leslie, um, I think all my life, I've always been a guy that, uh, I think, prided myself on being fair-minded and... I think we're all judgmental. Uh, we every day we make judgments, and, um, and we judge, you know, things to be right or wrong, and 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 whether it's a positive thing in our life or a negative thing. And um, and and one thing I've always hated is injustice. People being treated uh, wrongly, and and I don't care um, what the category is. I just don't like injustice. I don't like just a, a little bit of example. The other day. We were watching a football game. Of course, we love football and University of Texas playing uh, Houston, University of Houston, a big game. I mean, big, you know, in-state uh, battle. And, uh, of course, Texas, I think they had just lost the one game to Oklahoma. So it was important to them. And I was kind of for Texas, actually. Uh, but Houston come down at the very end and they got cheated actually cheated on a on a first down uh, uh, near the goal line. They were getting ready to score. And I went on and on about that with my wife. And she's like, boy, that really upset you, didn't it? I said, well, it wasn't fair. It wasn't right. It was right there, plain as day, that they didn't give them a first down. And therefore, they didn't have, you know, they had to hurry up and, and get one playoff, and that was it. And they didn't make it, or, and they should have had four plays. And I said, I don't appreciate it. even though it wasn't my team. I was cheering for the other team, but I could tell what was right and what was wrong. And that's what we're here about. You and I, t- you know, giving some dialogue to, you know, what is right and what is wrong. I think there's a lot of, of, you know, no one can deny, intellectually deny slavery in America. Okay. Now, it wasn't, not just blacks, but they they were the primary, you know, uh, people, uh, enslaved people, enslaved people uh correct uh you talk about the chinese and and the uh native americans and 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 just all kinds of groups that have you know endured uh even uh, in new york the immigrants coming in many of them were treated very harshly the irish uh were were you know they'd have signs that you know irish catholic do not apply you know you're not going to get hired here because you're not a quality person, you know, and it's just unjust. Um, now, going back to uh, reparations, I know uh, what we've done with the Native Americans, how they've been, they were pushed and pushed and pushed, and then they were given the most ridiculous land, you know, for reservations, you know, just the, the, the worst of the worst, and then they were given, you know, money and stuff, and, 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 and I don't think I don't know that they were given a very good support uh, system for industry and so forth. And it ended up hurting them tremendously. So many, uh, such a high incidence of uh, alcoholism, uh, drug abuse, uh, you know, unemployment, obviously, uh, broken homes, uh, just, uh, just a whole litany of things. Because they're like, here, we'll take care of you because we wronged you and we're just going to give you a pile of money. And, and good luck with that. And it, it, it's ruined so many people and so many lives. It's like, wait a minute. There's got to be a better way to, to handle it, okay? If there's a case that says these people are wronged, they need to be compensated in some way, how do we do that? And, and, and who do we compensate? You know, like you said, there's different... <clears throat> You know, in the black community, there's very light skin. There's very dark skin. I remember they said, uh, wasn't it one drop of of black blood, you were a slave? Um, Yes. Because I I believe it was Abe Lincoln that that, uh, witnessed a a slave auction in, in Kentucky where there was a woman that was being auctioned off. And she was white, not white as a ghost, but she was so white, no one could ever tell. That, that but they said, up. You got one drop of black blood in one you. One drop, one drop um, of
0: black blood. You are black.
1: And and it's like you know. And so there was just a whole lot of evil perpetuated on people. Of course, I'm from Indiana. Indiana, we were not a slave state. My family fought and died, you know, to free the black men. And and this was uh, actually back in the Civil War, the way I understand. This was the first time that um, <clears throat> we went to war, and it wasn't over, um, you know, to conquer another country or to conquer. Right. Uh, it was to free American, you know, people, uh, which the slaves were. They were, they paid their dues uh, in in so many ways, and and they was wrong. They were wronged in so many ways, and and everyone that could make money out of it or take advantage of it did. Uh, and, and you even hear of of black slaveholders and so forth. Uh, and, and it's like, why? Why would you, you know, do that? Why can you not see how painful that is? And then uh, and so I think we need to bring to light. OK, what happened? OK, uh, what's what's a, a, maybe a, an idea of, of what we can do going forward? You know, you and I. What we're doing right now, I think, is very important because we talk about it. We don't just sweep it under the rug and pretend it didn't happen. It happened, okay? And by the way, the Holocaust happened. I've been to Auschwitz. I've been to Europe, and I've seen the concentration camps, and I've been with actual survivors, so it did happen. So in case there's any questions, but slavery in America... Definitely happened, and 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 people were so brutally treated, and and like you said, it did not end with the Emancipation Proclamation with Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, signing that and, and saying, "Hey, at this point, you know, the slaves are free." Well, uh, the, we thankfully we won the war, the North Northern guys, uh, the Yankees, and uh, we kicked butt and took names and said, "Okay, <laughs> this has got to end." But like you said, it did not end and people were evil, evil with the way they, you know, said, well, okay, it ended. But so I'm just it it breaks my heart. Anybody that has a heart, it should break their heart to see any human being treated uh, in an unjust way and especially in a a slave enslavement um, situation. Uh, and, And I see that. Uh, today in so many ways where people are are enslaved but nothing like that that was just taking a a human being and saying yours aren't now first it goes on in the world today still you have a lot of underground slavery and then you've got open slavery in in um, uh, other countries Uh, but um, what we're talking about is America what happened here uh, you know and, and open it up for details and then say okay what needs to be done what's our opinion so there's there's my, my well i think opinion. also
0: too you know I think, yeah as we jump to segment two i want to make sure we get through all of this so uh, segment two is the case for reparations which we kind of covered a lot of the case um and i kind of laid out that you laid out that and like i said you're right uh they uh, the holocaust did happen and that's that's the fact and and but you know, I always say America sometimes can have a revisionist history. Uh, we like to revise the negative parts of our history um, and, and tell a different story than the truth. And what I say, no, you tell the truth. You tell the truth, and you learn from it, and you get better. Um, yeah. And so when we look at, I want to roll into segment three here, which is dealing with the opposition. Of reparations for blacks, those who oppose it. So I want to I want to read an article. Uh, this is some research done by a professor at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. And um here, here's what he discovered. So um what he discovered when he polled um, so first of all, a local reparations local reparation program in about a dozen of cities in the state of California have renewed hopes for an eventual national policy to compensate for slavery. But after decades of lobbying and three years of a national reckoning over race, Americans overall remain strongly opposed to the idea. When Tatish Neteta began polling about it several years ago, he expected money would be the biggest issue. I, I thought that too. Or perhaps the workability of such a complex undertaking. It turns out. These were the smallest of people's concerns that opposed slave reparations for blacks. Um, two-thirds, get this now, two-thirds of Americans oppose reparations for blacks in America regarding slavery. And then they say that those two-thirds say they are against cash payments to descendants of slaves. When he polled deeper to find out why, They felt that way. Um, And this is a political science professor. And he said, uh, they don't believe that descendants of slaves deserve reparations. He said, uh, the most common reason cited is that it's impossible to place a monetary value on the impact of slavery. And uh, African-Americans today are treated equally in society. Now, that is the viewpoint of the opposition. So, you know, if I was if I was in a meeting with the opposition, I would have to challenge them on one point of that. On what basis and what criteria can you tell me African-Americans are treated equally in society today? I'd have to go deeper. I have to hear you explain to me how me as an African-American has had a equal opportunity in society. I think I've had an opportunity. I do not feel like it's been equal. And so because we don't, because listen, Dave, just today, right, it's still some inherent things. I get on the elevator. I'm the only Black guy on the elevator. There's three white ladies on there that clinch your person. As long as that's happening, Dave, if, I don't have an equal opportunity. So that means right there, they don't know me. They, hadn't, they didn't say hello. They, I even smiled at them. They said hello. <laughs> They've automatically put a judgment on me that I was a threat and that they clenched their purse as if I was going to take it. So, we're, we, no, we don't have an equal opportunity. We do have an opportunity. And so I think when people say that, I think it sounds good when you say it. You said a point to me one time I'll never forget. You said, it's funny. People will say things that sound good when they're in a group of like-minded people. But only when you're in a group of diverse people do you have the checks and balances to really find out if what you're saying actually is good. And that was you, yeah, Mr. Mr. Scholar. That was you with that profound statement, but I thought about it and I said, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Because if if you're just talking to people that have the same viewpoint, you never have any checks and balances. No. <laughs> you, you know, no. it's gonna always sound good.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and the, and the thing is, it's like, um, you know, going to church, um, you know, and I always told these kids, I taught the high school kids, I said, you know, people show up for church And they may look pretty and they may dress pretty and they may act pretty and they may smell pretty. But Monday through Saturday, they live like the devil and, and they actually show their true colors, you know, who they are. They're exposed by how they treat, uh, whether they lie, cheat, steal, uh, or, or, you know, abuse people. Uh, Maybe they go home and, and abuse their family or whatever, and their language is just makes a sa- sailor blush. But and they cheat people in business every day. You know, uh, I was just talking to a waitress um, Sunday morning before church and she was talking about tip on the table. You know how you, uh, you know, uh, these waitresses, you know, they work hard and they, they try to serve and do the best they, do. they can and they deserve and they don't get paid minimum wage. They get paid a small amount. No, they don't. They depend on tips. And and this uh, waitress was telling about how uh, some of the um, the patrons, they've seen actually people get up from eating and walk out. And as they walk out, see a tip money, a dollar bill, $5 bill, whatever, on the table and pick it up and stick it in your pocket. No situation oh, man. That is that right. Okay. Now, she also said we have people that bust the tables that come in and they're red, you know, putting the dishes away you know, in the buckets and, and they're taking them in to be washed and they'll grab the tip money and they'll take it from And the third person, which you thought, no way, other servers taking tip money, <sighs> the tables, and it's like you're stealing. Uh, all three are stealing. Okay. It's something that they know is yeah. not there okay and so that checks and balances is you know we we may smile and we look pretty and all that stuff but we need to look at ourselves and have a have a a, well a heart to heart where we we um, when we we show up for church and we look pretty act pretty smell pretty and all that well we need to, to have that same mentality all the time of hey let's put our best foot forward okay Let's be honest, let's be courteous, let's be kind, let's be trustworthy, let's show those attributes that, you know, that when we're with our own little group or whoever, you know, we kind of let our hair down. No, let's be on our best best behavior, our best manners, and, and let's be honest. And that's the big thing. we got to be honest. We've got to be willing to speak up when something is wrong and say, wait, I don't get that. Why did you say that? You know, why do you believe that? And just question. You don't have to be rude or obnoxious, but be inquiring, be, in, be honestly inquisitive and say, well, wait a minute, why do you believe that? It doesn't quite make sense or ring true to me, uh, you know, and question it and, and stuff. But we need to be on our on our best behavior, I say, uh, all the time. And, and it would be interesting to me if we get had a video where we could do elevator th- videos where it would be a, a big black guy like yourself, you're a Husky fella, you know, I'd probably clutch my purse around you too. Cause you'd, you'd probably take me down in a second. Um, and it's not cause you're black. It's just cause you're just intimidating because you're a linebacker dude. And I'm a running back. So see, that's an intimidation factor to me. Um, but, but no, have, have a black guy get on with three ladies and then have the same situation and then have a white guy get on, you know, and just see, see the reaction. You know, and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm reading the book. Well, think, Go ahead.
0: No, no, I, I think your point is, is spot on, you know. And so we, I was just, you know, wanted to give the narrative, the opposition perspective to, to make sure the audience understands why people are saying that. I think the other misconception that a lot of people have is and we've we've talked about this several times as as we dealt with race the big misconception people will say particularly white uh white men and i don't talk to a lot of white women about it but i well, let me just start with white men um is that i didn't i didn't have anything to do with slavery. right i didn't do it so so uh, why am i paying for what somebody else did you know and i and i always say to that um And that's the narrative. That's the narrative. And the other narrative is, that's another misconception is that, hey, but you know what? Everybody, It's all equal now and everybody has a chance, the same chance to be successful now. So even though it happened and we know it was wrong, (laughs) it's too late (laughs) to try to make it right. And so (laughs) that kind of reminds me of, it's like the person picking up that tip that you know doesn't belong to you yeah and just because you take the tip and take it home that doesn't make it any less wrong just because it's been a year that doesn't make it any less wrong
1: and you gotta I, I,
0: I think this conception that I want you to speak to David I think we got to get away from everything is not equal in America for black people I don't know where this narrative seems to come from that everything is fair it's not fair everything is not fair we don't we still don't live in a society where it's fair and and that's just I live every day, and there there are little nuances and things that happen to me every day. And people sometimes are flat out told me, "Yo, you black." <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's that's you just go straight up tell me, huh? <laughs> okay." Um, even the
1: black so even the black I, ladies I, tell you you're black.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But it's just, but but you know, I, I'm just. That narrative bothers me because it's a passive narrative. And what it is, it's a narrative that makes you feel good and you makes you feel okay, and you can kind of put it to bed and, and move on past it. Here's the reality if it rained today and it's raining in Dallas today, there's nothing you can do that you can change or erase the fact that it rained today. Yep. <laughs> yep. You, you you nothing you can do. Right, you, you yep. and so when you discount what's really going on in America, because listen, if everything was fair in America, George Floyd wouldn't be dead. If everything was fair in America, Breonna Taylor wouldn't be dead when they go do a no-knock warrant at the wrong person's house and end up killing a lady that just got her work from her EM, EMT job. Yeah. yeah, No, no, everything is not fair. In America. Cause see that 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 stuff is not happening in every community, in every neighborhood. Um, um you you got George Floyd on the ground, you got multiple officers, and that happens with all the video cameras out and taping, and they see people taping, and that still happens. And you wanna tell me everything is equal in America? No, sir, no ma'am, it's not. So we have to we have to be honest with ourselves, and once we're honest with ourselves, we can deal with anything. But if we're gonna per- perpetuate a lie, we're never gonna be able to get to a amicable solution because it's not based on solid foundation.
1: So what? Um, and see, and this is some of the struggles I have. It's like okay, as society goes, okay, I'm, I'm a Yankee, okay. I fought because we said, "Hey, we don't believe in slavery. We want it stopped." And my family died in that pursuit. Okay, we were killed um, fighting that that war. Uh, and so, where do we end up on that? I mean, I mean, right. Right. you know, uh, do we just make the southern whites who enslaved people, you know? make them pay or <laughs> who all pays i mean and yeah, it's, and I think, it's really confusing okay, okay. hold
0: that thought hold that thought because that's going to be the next segment we're about to transition into right now which is who pays right here, here, here's the chronicle of it all who pays and i think i'm gonna kick it back to you in just a second the real deal is people have a, a very limited view on reparations there's so many types of ways you can do a reparation. People just think it's money all the time. It's just so many different ways. And so what I'm saying is, it's time to come to the table and have a dialogue about. It. Like I, I, I got a really good one. I did. You know, how about we take every African American that's pursued higher education, and we erase all their student loan debt. Everyone that's finished. That can be one form of reparation. Everybody that went to college, completed college, and they got student loan debt from it, but they completed college and they're working in the workforce, we need to forgive that student loan debt. That's a form of reparation, right? And that student loan debt is all held by the government. I'm just just giving you examples of, there are a lot of ways that it can be done. What I'm saying is we need to come to the table to talk about possible solutions. What I'm saying right now, we don't even want to go to the table. Yeah. And, and that's because everybody just thinks it's, it's just straight up cash payments. And that's nobody even said that we said, let's just talk about the concept of reparations and what might work, what it might look like, what that's the dialogue.
1: Yeah. 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 The student loan debt. I like the, the way you said um, anyone that uh, has completed a degree or a certification or mm-hmm. in- Whatever level. Maybe it's my first degree was an associate's degree. Uh, it, was, mm-hmm. it was a, a state uh, university. Uh, as long as you actually, completed it. Yeah, and I completed that. And then, of course, then I set out and then I went back uh, and finished my bachelor's degree at Purdue University. Uh, of course, the only guy that I of a Hoosier sweatshirt, Indiana Hoosiers that graduated from Purdue. But... Uh, <laughs>
0: I was about to say uh, that, but I was
1: like, that's It's interesting. a mixed up deal. It's a mixed up deal, but um, but yeah, I the idea of of motivating people in a way that says, "Hey, wait a minute, you did this, you you improved yourself, you did the these things, and you stuck with it." Uh, you know, that's that's a very admirable way to to approach you know a situation like this. I you know. That's an idea that I don't know that there would be a whole lot of pushback on something like that. Yeah. Um,
0: But Dave, here's the thing. Right. What do we say all the time when black and white men come together and talk? You'd be amazed at what can happen. Truly talk. Right. You can put all a a comprehensive reparation package together that includes a lot of different types of reparations. Right. So there's particular criteria, cash payments requires a particular criteria of something, right? You you yeah. you, you have to be gainfully employed. You have to be contributing back to society. You have to be a taxpaying citizen. You have, there are a lot of things you can do to put into those reparations where it's not, you're not just giving a cash payment to somebody that is out here selling drugs and not working and not contributing to society. All those things can be done and set in place. We're not saying just give a cash check to anybody, but the perception is, just give a blank check to everybody black who said that. Yeah. So I, let's have dialogue, but what I am saying, I don't think it's cool to say we ain't gonna do nothing. Yeah. You know, we just right. forget about that. That happened in the past, everything is equal now. So we should forget about it. I don't agree with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's something I always hated when I was a young boy, we would play uh, tag if you're ever out running in the yard, neighborhood kids family yeah. everybody we played tag and we called it freeze tag so so what you would yeah. do is you run around and you try to tag whoever's it you know they would try to, tag, to you tag. tag you're it. <laughs> yeah yeah and then uh and 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 if you uh if you got down you squatted down and said freeze you know before they touched you you, you know they couldn't you know you were safe okay and and it's like they would they would do things like oh tag you're it oh, game's over. You know, we quit, and it's like, wait a minute, why did you quit right now? You know, just when I got tagged and I'm it, you know, now we we change the game, and and it's kind of like, you know, uh, playing a ball game, and and uh, and at halftime you come out and you change the rules and don't tell the other team, and you're just getting slaughtered because, wait a minute, you you guys have changed the game. It's not fair let's be reasonable. Let's be fair. Let's talk about it. And let's say, okay, what makes sense? And I'm going to tell you something that bothers me a lot is the, uh, the unemployment, uh, in the black community, uh, you know, so high and, and, uh, and the, the struggles with that. I, I really, really hate to see that. I know, um, apparently, I guess at, at some point, uh, under the Trump administration, the unemployment was at, like a 50-year low or something, uh, especially for teen uh, black teens and different ones. But the unemployment thing to me is huge, and and I think that's something that that should be really focused on, uh, whether it's enterprise zones or whatever they call them, where you get uh, employers and and, and motivate uh, people to to uh, and and stimulate companies to have businesses that employ. You know, blacks. Uh and and because that's a, well, a very think,
0: thing. Yeah, I think first of all, I think we need, you know, that's a whole other podcast episode, and that's welfare yeah. reform. I don't like our current welfare system, and I and I get, you know, I get beat up a lot for my views on I believe in well up, not welfare. And I think the system, the way it's structured now, is built to keep people in a certain mindset. To keep people in welfare is not built to help develop people and grow people out. In fact, the system punishes people that try to work. So, like, exactly. because here's what it says: it says like if you go to work, you you work in minimum wage, you're still not making enough, so you still need your welfare. But you take money back from the people that go to work. Like, it's, I, it's not, it's, yeah.
1: Leslie, I've said that for years. My wife and I, we go round and round talking about that. And it's like, you know, a hand up, not a hand out, but a hand up. And people that are willing to work, don't punish. Stop punishing people that are honest, hardworking, and they just want to help, you know, better themselves and get out of a situation exactly. in. Uh, and it just you're you're exactly right. I just I don't like giving people a handout just over and over again because it, it does so much damage to them. Um, saying, don't
0: give me a fish. Teach me how to fish.
1: Oh, and we do do that.
0: Listen, because if you teach me how to fish, then I can guess what? If you, you teach me how to fish, then I can create a fish farm and feed a village, right? Yeah. But you, yeah. but if you just give me a fish. I'm always dependent on that fish. And the yeah. way that the system is set up now, it rewards people that j- just live off the system. It yeah. punishes yeah. people that try to go work and get off the system. And, yeah. and I don't, I'm not a proponent of that. Because what that does, it creates a mental mindset yeah. of entitlement. It's yeah,
1: entitlement. And yeah.
0: is like a drug, it's like an addiction.
1: It is. You know, Yeah.
0: and here's the other thing, you know, we get hit a lot, Dave. And here's the other thing that'll blow your mind when you look at the facts of it. When you, when most people think of the welfare system, they think that blacks make up the most people on the welfare system. Uh, That's not true. Blacks only represent 11% of the U.S. population. How can we ever make up the majority of people on any system, right? The only system we make up the majority of the people on is the prison system. And don't the even get me started talking about that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So the majority of the people on the welfare rolls are low-income white Americans, by yeah. numbers. Yeah. Remember, we only make up 11% of the population. We can't be.
1: Yeah, yeah. so I don't know of, of the 11% is what is a percentage of black people uh, that are on welfare. What are the? What's the percentage of white? People I would have to
0: look. I would have to look up the latest numbers. Uh, I'll see if I can find out uh, why we're talking. But it's not. It's not a lot. is not percentage wise. It's not a lot.
1: The the prison uh-huh. system is another thing that I'm just really getting discouraged with. Is is you know instead of uh, teaching them to the fish, you know we're just feeding them a fish and we're putting them in there and keeping them in and just rotating them in and out, in and out. And you're not really training them to, to succeed outside. Uh, You keep them in, you know, too long. Uh, Now, if you're a scumbag and you've hurt people and you really are a danger. Yeah. Okay. Keep them in, lock them up, whatever. But, but you have somebody that has a a one year sentence, a three year sentence, a five year sentence, 10 years during that period, really offer them opportunities. I mean, serious opportunities and say, Hey, you know, we want to teach you skills. We want to teach you trades. We want to show you this and that. In Indiana, they have a program now. I know it's, if you don't have a job, they have a a, a commercial driver's license training program that the state will pay for you to get your free uh, commercial driver's license, all the training done and pass the test and, and get that commercial driver's license. So you can drive you know, a truck or or semi or or even a large, you know, a trailer tractor, whatever. But I mean, that would be huge stuff like that, where you're helping people and saying, Hey, you know, normally this is $5,500. Okay. But if you're unemployed, uh, uh, it's open to you and, and things like that to help people, if they're willing to go put in the work, I think it's, um, Six weeks, maybe four weeks, six weeks. And if you put in the work and you get the certification and then you get the commercial driver's license and the state reimburses these training centers. And uh, and I think it's a good thing because uh, you're helping people help themselves.
0: I agree. Yeah, I, that's the whole goal, right? And so let's wrap, let's wrap this up. I mean, we could talk about this forever, but this is good dialogue. And what, I, what I'm trying to encourage people to understand, whatever problem we have, if we come together and talk about it with different viewpoints, different lenses, and we put those together, we can create a masterpiece of a solution. But sure. if we just stand back and talk at each other, try to pretend that it don't exist, or try to avoid the problem, it's not going to disappear. The reality is we're more alike than we are different, but we don't know it because we don't talk to each other. Dave and I got so much in common that it's crazy, right? Yep. But that's because we talk to each other. We know these things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We both like to eat too much.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. that's right. don't, don't
0: send us to the candle store together. You know, it's just not a good idea. Um, we both love our families, we both, we both enjoy working, we both love contributing. I mean we love sports a lot of similarities um but we talk so we know that we know our differences and we learn from each other we're better i i can speak for me but i'm telling you i think yeah. dave would agree i'm a better man because of my relationship with dave wiseworth yeah and vice so that's versa why.
1: that's right. yep it, it, oh,
0: it, yeah. it can be it's I don't know why more people don't do it because it's a no lose. This is a no lose friendship here, right? <laughs> this is this is this is the guy. This is the guy thing. It's a no lose friendship. So, as we bring to to a close and we wrap up, I just want to encourage people. The whole point of this episode was to get people to not be scared of reparations, to not think of it only in one way. There is. Let me be clear. There is no one way you can get reparations that's going to be fair. There is no more, So it's going to have to be a comprehensive solution with a lot of checks and balances. And to do that, that's going to take both sides, both races coming together with the help of other races to help us craft it that's benefited from reparations that can talk about the pros and cons, what worked and what didn't work, and learning from other countries that have already done this. See, there's other countries that have already done this and gotten past it, America hasn't. So I think in order for us to do that, we have to come together and have that dialogue together.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's ex- exactly right, Leslie. And I tell you what, whenever we talk, it's like, dang, he's smart. He, you know, I mean, you when it comes to some of this stuff, technology and some of your research that you've done and some of your experience, you know, like you said, I'm a better man just by sitting here and listening to you and hearing your perspective. And then I can say, well, why am I believing what I believe? You know, and, and we talk it out and, and and being honest enough to talk it out is, is huge. But so many times we're an ostrich, you know, we put our head in the sand and we pretend up oh, the lion's not going to eat us. Well, the lion is there and he's going to eat you. I'm telling you, <laughs> he's going to grab your skinny little neck. And he's going to have a, a bird, a bird for supper, you know? And so, so you and I, by talking and being honest, we, we move one step closer. to get a resolution here. Uh, and of course, nobody's ever going to be happy, but we can talk about it and say, Hey, wait a minute. What about this idea? What about that idea? And, 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 we can't. We don't learn from our mistakes as well as we can learn from other people's mistakes, and that's what we've got to do. Yeah, we make mistakes, but we don't have enough time to make them all. So we've got to look at each, you know, each other, and 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 I've got to listen to your missteps and say, Wow, okay, I don't want to fall in that hole. Thank you, Leslie, for telling me that that that's a problem going down that road. And and we look at people all around the world, and they say, Yeah, we've been through this. Here's how we overcame it, you know, you'll learn from what we did. And that's so smart. And and every day, every person you come in contact with, you can learn from them if you just open your eyes, open your ears. And it may not be what you want to hear, but maybe it's what you need to hear.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. If you want to find us and join us, guys. Find us on our YouTube channel, Black and White Men Talking. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast, just type in Black and White Men Talking. You'll find us or type in Dave Wiseworth, Leslie Peters. You'll find us. Come join the conversation. Let's change America by changing ourselves, by talking to each other. When Black and White Men Talk, I can promise you great things happen. Let's make it tomorrow a great day. Let's make the rest of your evening a great day. And if it's somebody that was on your mind, they thought about them and you wanted to reach out to them, it's not too late because you still got breath in your body. So make that call, send that email. Until next time, we love you and there's nothing, and I mean nothing, you can do about it.